You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Whoa, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hello and welcome to The Edge, the weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show, which airs weekly on the Versus Network on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings. I am your host, Aaron Martin. Thanks so much uh, for joining us as we have a show packed full of great information. Today we will be speaking with, fresh off a number 11 finish at the BASS Elite Tour level at the California Delta, finished number 11th out there. Excited to talk with James Niggemeyer. He is going to be sharing his thoughts and his approach to fishing shallow. Also, we have lined up Scott Marsh of B&W Trailer Hitches is here to discuss the hitch that has literally revolutionized the industry. And as many of you are probably aware, we all tow things more than just our boat. And you will not be let down with what he has to say and to talk about within that. Uh, We also have our weekly product giveaway announcement to tell who has won that, as well as to uh, let you know how to get involved on on the action. So uh, be sure to stick around for that. But first, you know, I've got to tell you, I had a funny thing happen to me. I was down at uh, Texoma a couple weeks ago for the BASS Central Open. And myself and Ross Watkins had uh, decided to rent a house, you know, kind of staying away from the mainstream of the hotels. And and since I don't have my RV anymore, um, you know, it was just a great way, close to the boat ramp, a lot of positives uh, that goes into, you know, being able to rent a house. However, I've got to tell you, this house is, it was a, it's a beautiful place. It was actually owned uh, by an individual out of Dallas. But um, it hadn't had anyone in it uh, all winter long. I think we were the first guest to kind of open it up for the spring. Early in the second morning, uh, I was actually sleeping, and all of a sudden I woke up, and there was just this horrible, horrible smell. And I'm like, what in the world? It smelled like a skunk. And so, anyway, it was like three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, so we didn't think anything of it. I'm like, well, you know, probably one sprayed outside. Long story short, this happened to us on multiple occasions. It actually happened four times. And as you know, when tournaments such as that roll into town, um, normally a lodging is of a premium, and trying to find lodging uh, to move or something like that is just not doable. Um, so we got to put up with um, skunk sprays uh, multiple times throughout the week that we were down there. They called the animal control, and over the course of the week that we were down there, they trapped four skunks out from under this house and then i got received a card from the from the owner of which it wasn't her fault but uh she said they ended up getting seven skunks um out of the uh out of that house so anyway just goes to show you when you're out and about um you never know what's going to happen be prepared and i guess that was one way that i could use uh to keep people off of my spot was because the odor that was probably coming from my clothes and everything else so anyway funny story i thought i would share with you um we are going to take one short break here and then we will be right back with elite pro angler james niggemeyer to talk about his approach to shallow fishing Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. 
Thanks, MegaWare Keelguard. Thanks, MegaWare Keelguard. Welcome back to The Edge with your host, Aaron Martin. Hey, welcome back to The Edge. I had the opportunity to sit down with James Niggemeyer uh, shortly after taping down on Lake Fork earlier in the season. And this individual, if you've not been exposed to him yet, he is in his rookie season on the BASS Elite Tour level, uh, qualified for the 07 Classic and this is a guy that you had better keep your eye on. Just a top-notch individual, phenomenal fisherman, and I cannot wait for you to hear some of the things uh, that he goes into detail on fishing shallow. So without further delay, let's jump right into that interview with James Niggemeyer. James, welcome, and thank you so much for uh, for being a part of this. Well, thank you, Aaron and Bass Edge, for, for having me a part of this. Um, boy, I really enjoyed fishing with you back in uh, November. It was a great great time and I, I tell you one of the things that I remembered and it still to this day stands out of of all the fishing not only that I've done throughout the course of the year but also specifically for the project of the taping was you know the night before we were to go out well actually the whole day before we were to go out was that weather change I mean, we got rocked yeah absolutely it was like what 35 mile an hour sustained winds <laughs> yeah. and just a just a hair under hurricane force Gales. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the temperature went from uh, from approximately 70 degrees, I think, all the way to when we started out that morning of, of 39 degrees. And, and, you know, there's not many days that, that I'll stay off the water, but uh, that was almost one of those situations to where uh, the danger just outweighed the, any benefit of, of uh, going out and trying to pursue pursue bass. Oh, it can get bad out there. I think you need to always be careful anytime there's an approaching front or something like that. It was not something we wanted to be out in. Well, you know, James, there's there's so much to to talk about, but you know, you spend a tremendous amount of time on the water. Um, you know, you're full time guide, very successful guide. Obviously, you know, you're currently fishing the Elite Series right now, which is you know just a huge accomplishment. There's been so many highlights uh, to your career. Two that I can specifically remember was, you know, a Wachita on the uh, the regional down at the BFL that uh, I fished against you, and then also again on the on the Red River. But really stepping back away from the competitive scene for for a moment, how did you get into the sport? Because there's a lot of history there. You know, your your roots were not based in Texas. No, actually, uh, I started out fishing in California and. Um, progressed from club to team tournaments and um, probably jumped in through my hat into the pro ring a little early. I wish I could have stayed back a little bit, but uh, I did it nonetheless. And when bass came out, out west for the first time for a full calendar, I, I fished bass. Uh, it was the Western Invitationals back then. and had some friends and uh, really started shifting my, my sights towards really making a career out of it. And uh, a friend by the name of Dean Rojas suggested I move to Lake Fork and, and really take my fishing serious and, and get started there and get closer to the action where most of the bass fishing world actually exists on the eastern portion and the southern portion of the states. And so you, you basically just up and, and relocated. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. It was like six months uh, or six to eight months ago we talked about it before I actually moved and or prior to that. And um, I just loaded everything in my van with like, and it was a little... Chevy Astro van, little minivan, and a little 18-foot bass cat, and I just loaded it all up and, and, and headed headed east. Yeah. 
no place to stay, nowhere, didn't know where I was going to go. But uh, that actually, that first night, I stayed with uh, Lance Vick in his house. <laughs> he slept on the floor. And the second night, he stayed over at Kelly Jordan's house. And they were both guiding at the time. And they gave me my first few trips as I came out here guiding on a fork as I got familiar with the lake. So you were single at that time? Yes, absolutely. I was. Uh, it was diff- difficult to leave because, uh, you know, I spent my whole life in California and didn't really know exactly what I was jumping into, but uh, I had been to Lake Fork twice and just knew the fishing was phenomenal and really couldn't wait to live on in and or around the, you know, the Lake Fork community. Well, it, it is, uh, it's not only a, a great, great community, like you say, but it, it's also just a tremendous fishery. So moving forward then from that standpoint, you, you, uh, you relocated and obviously you, you met your, your wife. Talk a little bit about that because I think that is so often overlooked. I know speaking from my personal experience, you know, that support role of having not only spouses but also friends and family members that understand, um, you know, this isn't necessarily always the, the glamorous life you're getting to pursue, you know, the, the sport that you dream, but also there, there are some challenges that go with it and that support is a, is, is a key role. Um, there's people that are behind you at certain stages of your life, but no one has to be more behind you than your your wife and obviously and um and your family and uh, my wife i've never met anyone that's been more supportive uh than my wife she's absolutely always been behind me and in, in following and pursuing my dreams and and that that i can't tell you how important that is to have someone believing you know or behind you and and just uh really wanting to see you attain those goals and dreams and aspirations and you have since you have a, a little boy. Yes, yeah, so uh, thirteen a little over over a year. That's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, his name's Daniel, and he's uh, thirteen months old, and absolutely the apple of daddy's eye. Yeah, oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's amazing, you know, of how kids once that comes into and you you have that experience of how that you know it just really changes your your entire perception. Absolutely, and, and you know, it used to be when I was single, I'd. Just you left home and it was no problem. Right? Right. You're, you're always by yourself, anyways. But then you get married, and as I did, and um, then now you're kissing one face when you leave when you walk when you walk out the door. Then you get have a child, and now you're kissing two faces. It makes it even twice as hard to leave. So yeah, it's it's definitely cha- a life changer. And, and you know, part of that support role that is key outside of just your immediate relationships, sponsors play a huge part. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, I cannot stress how important it is to build those relationships with companies and products you absolutely believe in. Because people can tell when you're just, you know, when, when you don't believe in what you're talking about, they can see right through it. And, um, um, and, and you don't want to be jumping around. You want to have that loyalty and you want to build that relationship so the people that you're working for are people that really trust in you and believe in what you're doing and the directions that you're heading. And um, they're, they're supportive. They're an extension of your support group. I mean, really... They're behind you, and that relationship's built. It's a friendship. It's a team play. It's a, you know, it's just in so many different fronts. It's it's support that you need out there um, on the road in, in pursuing the, the dream of uh, living as a professional bass fisherman. Well, and you know, in looking at your career per se over uh, the course from when you moved from California out to to Texas, I'm sure in your eyes it seems like it was a long period of time or a, or a slow progression. But bottom line is, you, you actually had a very fast progression, and you picked up, you brought skills with you that you acquired uh, fishing, you know, in the California area, the Delta, you know, Clear Lake, just different areas like that. But then you also had to be more, become more adept 
to picking up additional skills that were applied you know, fishing the National Trail. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, you know, one of the neatest things about bass fishing is you're never done learning. You're always learning. There's something always new to be understood and, and seen and, and observed out there on the water, and uh, it's never the same day twice. You know, it's it's always a new set of circumstances. And um, coming out here to Texas, I, I learned so many, you know, out west you do a lot of light line, finesse-type approaches, and when you move to this portion of the country, you're, you're picking up, you know, heavier line, bigger rods, and and you're fishing for the fish in with water clarities are not quite what they are out west. You you know you have six inches to twelve inch visibility at a lot of times, maybe three feet at the most. And um, so there's a different way, there's different techniques that you have to apply, and, and learning those. And I tell you, being a guide is is uh, probably not a better way to learn how to fish different things and try different things because you're on the water all the time. It definitely helps to shorten the learning curve, for sure. Oh, no question. And a perfect example of that, I can vividly remember, you know, just because of, A, not only the, the quality of experience that we had, but also just the, those conditions leading up. You know, we talked about that severe weather change that we had uh, the day that, that literally cost us, it cost us a day of fishing, and we had to, to reschedule and postpone it till, till the next day. But one of the things that I remember is, you know, here two of us, both of us, you know, seasoned anglers that were pursuing the the bass, and we literally had to make some significant adjustments. You know, we were doing well. It started off cold in that morning, but as the day progressed, we were having to make adjustments as we went. Yes, absolutely, changing um, changing locations, and sometimes not even necessarily moving deeper, but going to other areas where there where the the bait fish might not have gotten as affected by the colder colder winds and. And maybe the the banks didn't get as torn and tossed. Um, you go to other areas where um, the fishing might not be as it was before the front, but it's a little bit better than other areas that weren't as as uh, wind torn or the water temperature didn't drop as drastically. And so you're changing, you're you're kind of staying with the same type patterns, but you're moving to areas that um, were a little more sheltered, and the fish are still feeding a little bit as the places that the feeding has just about come to a halt. Sure. Yeah. And you know, part of that was. Quickly, we, we were able to establish that uh, the ditches or the creeks that were leading into some of these ba- these backwaters, um, it started out that they were holding there, you know, a little bit. And when I say in, in the ditches, you know, we're talking 6 to, to 10 feet, no deeper than 10 feet, really. But as the day progressed and those temperatures moved up, they, they really started becoming more in relation to the grass line. Yeah, there's ditches and um, creek channels in these big uh, arms or pockets on the lakes they they're highways and those bends are seem to be like junction spots where they'll actually move up onto the if it's the inside turn then it'd be like your point on the right or the the outside turn would be like sometimes more or less be like a flat and so you have a variety of of different things that are offered to the fish and um it's a great place for the fish if they want to get aggressive they move up and start feeding and if they want to get a little more uh, neutral or negative they they can put, pull down into that channel, so it, it offers a lot. They don't have to move a whole lot of distance to get up on the feeding flat, and, they, and, and if they're not in a feeding mode, they can suck down into those ditches. But also the deep water access to those shallow water feeding grass areas, the edges of the grass, were, were what you wanted. You didn't want to be a long way away from, uh, from that deep water um, area. Well, grass, you know, fishing grass has been, I don't want to jump ahead and say that it's, it's necessarily, you know, the your biggest strength but it's it's definitely one strength that i know for a fact that that has been uh something that you've done well at and i also correct me if i'm wrong but that you like to fish 
And, you know, I can remember from not only from Fork, but also from a Wachita uh, down at, in Arkansas when you'd fish and actually won that regional, you know, you were having to, to dissect um, grass and figure out, you know, where those fish were in relation to that. What advice, you know, when a, an angler, let's say, that isn't necessarily versed on, let's, let's say they're coming from, you know, the Midwest, or let's say they're coming from a lake that does not have, have grass, how can a person break that down, and where where do you start in interpreting where the fish are in, in the grass? Well, you know, uh, grass is a lot like um, timber in that it's a great cover, but you still want to look for those structural elements where the fish are actually using the structure to um, to migrate into shallow feeding area or something that, that is uh, like a transition from, from shallow to deep, and so they can pull up and feed as well as ease back. But in attacking grass, the irregularities are always the keys. You want to fish the points, little indentations, and sometimes the most insignificant little one-foot little jaunt or little point or little protrusion in the grass line is the ambush spot. And the fish will just, you know, you might catch one or two right off that one little nub. It may look like nothing to your eye, but it's just a little irregularity in, in the sun and the uh, it becomes an ambush point from the angle of the sun and then as well as you know fish as they swim by it's uh it's something you want to look at and then the little indentations and ditches and um the grass line is like a a shoreline on a lake you know you have um points and pockets and 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 little draws and stuff like that in cuts and you can approach those a lot of the same way you would approach a bank and um it's just really it's in a kind of almost an extension of the bank itself and so these grass lines and grass edges are uh, highways and feeding ambush spots and uh, things the fish can use and get in and around to ambush prey. Well, and I know, you know, some lakes will have the grass that, that comes out of, let's say, deeper water, or it'll have an, what they talk about, an inside grass line or an outside edge. Difference there, you know, what what is the approach there? Do you normally start on the outside and work your way in, or do you start on the points? Well, you know, obviously... obviously um, your seasonal pattern is a big key. What time of year it is, if it's you know pre-spawn and they're moving closer to the beds, you, you'd want to probe that inside grass line, see if they hadn't made that jump all the way to the bank yet. But that inside grass line becomes a key area to look. It just really depends on your the time of year and the water temperature and the seasonal patterns there. You want to always take that into account. In the fall, a lot of times you'll, you'll have the fish running that outside edge of the grass line and um, key in there and most of the time your grass edge isn't so deep that it's uh it's not possible to fish both the inside edge and the outside edge starting outside and then moving in to see if they're on the inside you know it's it's funny you'll have a little bit of an inside edge here on fork you know because the water's not so clear that the grass grows to 10 12 feet of water it it grows to about six seven feet that's about a or in some places eight feet deep that's a deep edge right now on lake fork and so sometimes you'll actually have the wind will will blow and the fish will get on in just less than a foot of water on the inside grass edge and you can run spinnerbaits over the top of that but when the wind is slick they'll pull off that inside edge and move and start relating back out to the front side edge because the ambush opportunity is not as well there they can be seen they're not as uh, covered the lights penetration is a lot better and so they'll the fish will just adjust and adapt to whether there's a wind change or cloud cover they'll move shallower or if it's bright sun and slick they'll tucked down inside the grass and there's caverns and tunnels underneath there where the fish will actually move in and through there 
And um, that's when you, you want to do, you know, you pull out your big heavy flipping stick, your big old uh, all-star flipping stick with some braided line and uh, punch them with either a one-ounce jig or a five-eighths all the way up to a one-and-a-half-ounce bullet weight pegged right on the onto a uh, soft plastic of your choice. A Lake Fork Tackle Craw Tube is what I really like. Colors, uh, how, how big of a key is, is does colors play into your selection or approach? I really uh, like the, to keep it simple. I like my green pumpkins, watermelon, watermelon red, just and that would be your clear waters, and then your your black and blues and your June bugs for dirtier waters or darker colored waters. You know, I used to carry everything they just about made, and and after a while, you just get bogged down. I mean, I, I read an article where somebody said, you know, you want to keep it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, there's a lot to be said about that. You can get so inundated with too much, too much, too much. You spend too much time digging, digging in that tackle box, and you don't spend a, you don't spend very much time fishing. Well, you bring up a very good point. I, this is, you know, when you look at for what I always try and, and, and dissect is, you know, when someone comes up and asks me about getting into the sport of fishing and they're trying to, you know, they want to go out and uh, pick out some, some baits or equipment, terminal tackles, such as rod reels, those type of things. You know, they, they said, I go into the Isle of Bass Pro or something, and, you know, you've got 1,500, you know, plastic, hard plastic crankbaits, or you've got X amount of, you know, numbers of, of soft plastics. How in the world do you keep from becoming overwhelmed uh, if, if you're just getting into this? I would take a, a small selection of a lot of, of, of a few things. And um, depending on the type of fishing you want to do, whether it's a Texas rig or a Carolina rig, a couple of baits that you would use for maybe a, you know, a, a few baits for a Carolina rig, which is like a French fry type bait and a lizard. And that lizard will also, you can also use that for your uh, Texas rig around the spawn. A Texas rig lizard's really good. And that, so that gives you a couple of different variations right there, just on your Texas rig and your Carolina rigs, and um, and and then you know if you're going to be fishing tight to cover, a flipping uh, some sort of a tube. I like that Lake Fork Crow tube is what I was saying, and uh, a couple of different colors in that. One for dirty water, a, a real good clear water one would be your just your standard green pumpkin, and then your black and blue. You can't go wrong with the black and blue. There's two colors of a tube type soft plastic in these creature baits that are out there that are so popular. Fish really do, uh, really tend to like the, a lot of appendages moving some water. So, so you might have a time in the early spring when the water's a little cooler and they don't want so, so much water movement and they're a little more, uh, less aggressive. So that tube will come into play. And then when the water starts warming up, that creature type bait might come into play. And then that jig, it's always an important one to always have, a a few of those and, and such a strong lure. We talked about that that day when we were fishing. Exactly. <laughs> um, it send, tends to catch the quality, and but it's probably one of the hardest lures to learn how to fish. It demands a lot of concentration because those bites aren't necessarily bone jarring. Mm-hmm. But uh, keep it simple and you know learn to, to take a, a few different baits out there and take them to the water and get some confidence in them and and try a few different shapes. A, a stick worm is so big right now. You know the soft plastic stick baits and. Um, those are fish catchers. You can't hardly fish those wrong. You know, just pin them onto a, a you know a three to four aught hook, throw them out there weightless. Fish them slow. You can't fish them too slow. You know, you, you people think, oh, am I fishing it wrong? If you're fishing it slow, you're just going to do just fine. Sure. And, um, those are that's a that's a great way to learn how to fish. Even your your uh, shad type, your soft jerk baits, those are great too. And your watermelons and your and your green pumpkins fished uh, with no weight at all, just a lot like the soft stick baits. Those are great to fish around weed beds and 
um, any type of cover along the bank in the springtime. That's just a fish catching way to go right there. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of shifting gears a little bit, you know, being not only you, you really have two doses of it, one from the standpoint that you're a guide, but then also from the standpoint that you compete at a very high level and which requires a lot of time, a lot of travel. Talk to us a little bit about how the mental aspects of fishing, um, you know, how do you keep your head in the game? Uh, because it goes beyond just the fundamental skill. You know, pretty much when everybody gets to the elite level, uh, they know how to cast, they know how to catch a fish. And so you're really looking at, at aspects that's really outside of, of your control. How do you deal with that? Well, I tell you, um, I used to really put a lot of pressure on myself. But I noticed that the harder I really pushed myself, just continually pushed myself, sometimes I would it would just take me right out of it because I would actually just stress myself out to the point of putting a, just too much pressure on yourself. And you know what it is? is it, there's a lot to be said. You hear, you hear it time and time again. Uh, these top pros, you know, out there on the elites, they said, man, you know, I, I was struggling and I just picked up a, a, my confidence bait and just went fishing. And when you start that, that phrase, just went, just going fishing, you're actually, you're out there and you're taking it, you're taking it slow and you're taking it easy and you're um, trying to have fun with it and, and not put that pressure on you. You just get into a rhythm. My biggest uh, advice, I would say, is to really not overburden yourself with a lot of pressures. I, I find that the more harder I, I try to push myself, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily give me the intended result that I'm searching for. At the same time, sometimes when you have a great bag, you can, you can, you can tend to back off and you, know, you have a nice limit in the live well and you're thinking, man, I've, I've got a good day going. But today's competition, especially those guys on the elites and, and, and any uh, level of tournament competition, wherever you are, your peers, they're all really good fishermen. And, you know, and um, it, that's always something you keep in the back of your mind. You think, I can't let up now. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep catching them and catch them the best way I can. But at the same time, just focusing and not bearing down to the point where you're just about to crack. Sure. You know, you want to just you you want some emotion, but not too much. You want to be able to stay fluid and flexible. At the same time, still enjoying you know just being out there on the water and 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 just really receiving all that that you can get out of the day and, and enjoying the moment um, while you're there. Yeah. yeah. The other thing, even beyond that, is of, of looking at the elements that you can or can't control. I know. I think faith plays a, a, a fairly major part of your of your life. Absolutely. The uh, my Christian faith is is something that um, you know I really truly believe uh, that I can't do it all with by myself, and I've tried to do it by myself. And um, I, so I place a lot of my faith, place my faith in God, and I, I trust that uh, He'll be able to provide for me what I need. And um, and that takes a lot of the burden off my back and off my shoulders. I wasn't ever meant to carry all that. So, sure. uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my faith in God is is uh, is really something that's calming and definitely uh, helps me not to not to take it all upon myself and, and really um, just rela- relax and really and enjoy uh, the moment. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that you know James from the first time that, that I got to know you and had the, had the honor of. of um, really you know seeing um your talent and and being exposed to that you're you're one of those guys that uh you never have a bad word to say about anybody you're extremely approachable um you know and you have a sense of peace about you and i think that is of of anglers that i'm sure that all of us are exposed to you can always tell you know the guys that are are high strung and nerved up doesn't necessarily get you anywhere i mean it doesn't necessarily put you ahead of the pack but 
one thing about it is by staying calm and relaxed and you know just really treating and approaching people the way that you would want to be approached uh, that that has to has to come and pay play dividends and if nothing else at least you get to enjoy enjoy the moment and enjoy the day that you know that you're having James we're getting close to running out of time but one question that I would like to know you know when you uh, what can you tell the audience at, at Bass Edge, you know, when they think of, of James Nigemeyer, what do you want to, you know, to kind of be their perception or their, you know, view in association with you? Well, I, uh, I'm i not uh, one of those guys that's going to be, like you say, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that's going to be completely out there and um, in the limelight, but I absolutely have a, a, a passion for this sport. I, I, I really... Fishing is something that uh, I really feel like uh, God's created me in such a way that I really am a fan, and uh, just I, it's something that I've I've always I've always really liked to do, and, and I'm just passionate about the sport. It's uh, it's something that um, I want to be able to um, pass on to other people, to share with other people, to help people to uh, enjoy the the fishing experience, the bass fishing experience, and um, promote the sport. And I want to be extremely approachable. I want people to, to be able to, if they want to come up to me and talk to me, I want them to be able to, to say hello and, and, um, and just be somebody that doesn't seem distant far away, but someone that, uh, that is personal enough that they could come and, and, and sit down and ask me a few questions about whatever it is, and I'll do my best to try and answer that. But um, I am passionate about the sport, and uh, it's something that, uh, that I would love to help other people catch on to and, and really be a part of. Well, I, there's and there's no question about that, James. And I, I know that that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, you're you're one one of the most popular uh, uh, anglers that, that we've had and, and had the pleasure of, of fishing with, and why you're so popular with with the uh, audience of, of Bass Edge. The unfortunate thing is, we have reached uh, reached that time. Would love James the opportunity to sit here and uh, you know be able to to talk more. But I'm sure we're, we will have other opportunities. One other thing, though, if viewers are, want to schedule some time with you, you know, to, to book a trip with you on, on Lake Fork, how do they get in touch with you? LakeForkProGuide.com, www.LakeForkProGuide.com, or uh, I can be reached at 903-312-0780, and uh, we can set up a time and, and uh, chase that uh, Sherlunker trophy that you always dreamed of. It, um, there's no better lake to uh, set out there and, and catch a a bunch of fish and always at the same time you never know when you're going to hook that little fish of a lifetime that's exactly right and that's what keeps us going james thanks again and thank you for being part of bass edge podcast all right james thanks for some great great information it was a pleasure to fish with you and even more so to be able to uh, kind of pick your brain don't go away we need to take a break and we are going to be right back with this week's product giveaway announce the new winner as well as tell you how to get involved in the exciting action we'll be right back When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. All right, we are back on the edge, and it is the portion of the show uh, where we go and give away some very, very exciting prizes from our sponsors. For those of you who are possibly listening for the first time, each week on the edge, we have a drawing for the prize package, and 
To register for that prize, all you need to do is send us an email to podcast at BassEdge.com. In the subject line, just place product giveaway in the subject line and make sure to include your name and address in the body of the email so that when you win, we know where to send the product to. This week, we have just an awesome, awesome prize. This is one of the big ones. We've got a hitch from B&W Trailer Hitches, and we're going to be talking about that here shortly. But this is all the more reason why you want to make sure and get your name in on the drawing. This thing is valued at uh, right at about $150, and we have one lucky winner, and the lucky winner for this week is Christopher Bunk out of Columbia, Missouri. So congratulations, Christopher. We will be sending uh, that out to you, and um, you will not be disappointed. So make sure that you get your name in these drawings. I would love to be able to uh, to make sure that you have a chance to do that. Enter as many times as you would like, but only enter in one time per week. Um, that just helps us out on our end. So if you didn't win this week, again, just make sure that you send us another email to podcast at BassEdge.com with the subject line listed as product giveaway and your name and address in the body of the email, and you'll have another opportunity and a chance to take home one of these great prizes next week. All right, we have to take another short break, and we are going to be right back with Scott Marsh from B&W Trailer Hitches. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The Tow and Stow Receiver Hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, welcome back to The Edge. I have the pleasure of being joined by Scott Marsh, Director of Marketing for B&W Trailer Hitches out in the great state of Kansas. Scott, thanks so much for being here. Aaron, it's great to be here. You know, Scott, I mean, when I, my introduction to B&W goes way back, uh, well beyond just uh, the benefits and features of the hitch for pulling my boat, and, and I think that is, speaks volumes about your company, uh, from the standpoint of the innovative products that you guys have have come up with, you know, and growing up on a farm, uh, I had an introduction through, you know, the turnover ball hitch, um, which later went into some of the custom truck beds uh, that you had to be able to put those, you know, easy loader bale movers on those, and then into that that companion RV hitch that you have. You know, I like to to be able to camp uh, and stay away from kind of the mainstream of the motels and things like that. You know, how in the world do you guys come up with all of that different technology? Well, actually, it's a pretty simple story. Um, Twenty years ago, actually, this year, B&W was formed by Roger Baker and Joe Works. Um, here in a small town in Kansas, as you mentioned, in Humboldt, um, it's a town of about 2,000 population. Um, Roger and Joe uh, both worked in separate industries but uh, came together as friends and decided they were going to build a, a better truck body, as you mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, there are some inherent problems that, that farmers have. Joe had grew, grew up on a family farm, and, you know, quite honestly, uh, he got tired of the ball being in the way. So uh, he and Roger sat down one, one afternoon and, and tried to figure out how to make that happen. The turnover ball was born after that. Well, I, and, 
you know, specifically out of, you know, you, you kind of set the bar for quality, I think, with, with the turnover ball and with that being kind of the debut that uh, really segued, segued rather into the, the toe-and-stow receiver hitch. And that's what I would like to spend a lot of time, you know, talking about. It. Certainly, um, we're going to have additional interviews uh, down the road on, on some of the other products. But, you know, this toe-and-stow receiver hitch, the one that I have and all the Bass Edge crew uses, has the, the tri-ball um, feature on it, meaning it has the three balls that's actually on there. And, you know, as a bass fisherman uh, who also has interest in other things such as, you know, hunting and being able to pull a recreational vehicle such as an ATV or pulling my aluminum boat as well, which has an inch and seven-eighths ball, that is the benefit of that because previously I would always have to carry, you know, multiple receiver hitches or, you know, get out the monkey wrenches and try and undo the ball to put a new ball on. Well, you nailed it. I mean, that, that's kind of uh, been the goal for B&W all along. Is we, we want this toe-and-stow to be the, the last receiver hitch you'll ever need. There, there are a lot of popular features, and I think you're right. The, the multiple ball certainly helps out uh, in several situations. You've got a lot of guys like yourself that are pulling multiple boats out. You've got guys that are, you know, pulling their, their skid steers and different things during the week, and then when the weekend finally gets here and they're going to get the bass boat out and head out, they, they've got the two-inch ball, whereas maybe – you know, that skid steer with a little more weight, they needed that 2 and 5 sixteenths. A lot of, as you well know, a lot of personal watercraft and the smaller aluminum John boats are, are still that inch and 7 eighths. So yeah, and, a nice feature. you know, it's, I, I still, I have looked at this thing, and, and when we go to, to tournaments and shows and, and just out on the weekend, you know, people look at that and they're like, how in the world? Because what happens is that you've set up a pin system within just on being able to, to change the balls. I mean, you don't have to disconnect the receiver. You basically, you pull a pin, and you can spin that within just a matter of seconds of being able to, to get the ball that you need. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, we tried to keep it simple. Um, it's a single pin. Um, it is stainless steel. You know, obviously, a, a lot of our customers are are backing those boats down the ramps, and, and, you know, we didn't want rust or corrosion to be a problem. So um, stainless steel definitely works out best there, but it's simple. Pull a simple, you know, single pin and, and uh, just rotate that ball to, to whichever size you need. Well, and then, you know, also a huge feature is the ability to adjust the height. And, you know, my, for instance, my driveway, jacks on most boats are you know you can only crank them to, down so low or so high they have their limitations um, but the driveway backing down into my garage because I like to keep my boat in the garage is that it's at a very you know steep angle um, one of the neat things that I've realized is that my jack will not go down low enough so I can actually adjust the height on on that hitch you know I waver back and forth between my favorite features of the hitch but you know, from a safety standpoint, being able to adjust the height uh, up or down, you know, it, it really does help out in several cases. It definitely, you know, it, it takes away a lot of the sway when you're going down the road. But, you know, it, again, it offers you the versatility to, to hook up easy to, to multiple trailers and, and get you out of some of those uh, interesting situations like your driveway. Yeah, and the other thing is that what a lot of us don't realize is, you know, when you're pulling a trailer. It doesn't even have to be just a boat trailer, but uh, specifically my boat trailer, you know, it, it is a tandem axle. And with all the miles that the Bass Edge crew travels and then also of me, you know, chasing bass for the tournaments and those type of things, tire wear is a big, big factor. And as well as with those trailer bearings and stuff being exposed and, you know, in and out of the water all the time, 
if you don't have that trailer sitting, you know, level to where you're dispersing and utilizing both axles, not only you'll create additional wear on the tires, but then it creates more stress on the bearings and, and just a lot of things like that. And so that, that is another thing that it almost allows me to custom, um, you know, set the height specifically to my trailer because not all trailers are created equal. You're exactly right. And one feature that a lot of people um, aren't aware of on this tow and stow is, is obviously have a drop feature, which is probably the most popular situation or, or at least the most common situation for, for people towing trailers. But you can actually pull the entire receiver hitch out, turn it upside down, and you've got the same amount of rise as you've got drop. So on our six-inch model, you actually have 11 and a half inches of vertical adjustment up or down. That is amazing. Well, I, the other thing that, you know, is it, it sounds goofy, but you have identified with so many of us. I mean, how many times have you been parked your truck, you know, in the garage or, you know, you, maybe you didn't turn the lights on or maybe your focus is in something, trying to get something out of the back of the truck, and you come around the side of the truck, and the first thing you do is you, you know, I, I think all of us probably have battle scars on our shins from where we kicked the, uh, the receiver. And talk a little bit about that. Everybody can relate to banging their shins. You know, it's just, it's not a fun situation. And, and I still believe this is my personal favorite, you know, as far as features go on the tow and stuff. You, you simply pull two pins. The whole hitch just folds underneath your, your truck or your SUV completely out of the way. So we like to think of it as, you know, you, you lock it on your receiver and you've got a hitch when you need it, you know, and it's out of the way when you don't. So uh, it's just a real simple, easy process to do. Yeah. Now, in in looking at the hitch, you know, with with um, the the main body of it, obviously is is some sort of special. I'm assuming some sort of baked on paint or. But I know that you know, as much as what I have stepped on it and banged it and backed up too far and hit my boat trailer against it, you know, the paint doesn't come off. But also, you spoke about all of these pins and the internal mechanisms, you know, are stainless. But that how that ball spins you know, to when you're selecting those different balls, do you have to, to grease that, or is there any maintenance or anything that has to be done to, to the hitch? Well, we like to think that it's maintenance-free, but anytime you've got moving parts, you know, I mean, a little a light lithium grease of some kind is always going to help. Um, you know, we've got a lot of customers out there that don't. You know, on my personal vehicle, you know, I'll throw some on there. It just it can't do anything but help. Sure, sure. Well, I think that this is one of the most innovative, you know, with the patents and the designs that you have come up with uh, for doing this. It is across, I mean, it hits every single person that has a, a truck, uh, in my opinion, needs one of these to, to have <laughs> in their arsenal. Because, you know, several times I'm always faced with trying to pull, you know, whether it be moving a neighbor down the street or helping a friend out, or just with the you know the toys and the the stuff that I have of going to the rental yard to pick something up, um, I can't tell you how many times that I've saved time, grease on my hands from not having to change it, as well as just being able to adjust it, and and I really think it's it's the one size fits all uh, mentality of what you guys have done with this technology. Well, thank you, Aaron. We we really are, are happy with the features and the benefits, and we've got a lot of happy customers out there. Appreciate the feedback that we get from from everyone. And you know the you guys have a, a a pretty large presence within the rodeo market as well. Um, you know your your title sponsors of that. Um, now you're getting into the fishing uh, industry, and you know I can remember when we were uh, talking initially, and I, I 
out at Vegas, out at the uh, the match, which was done in conjunction with the ICAST conference. And uh, I told you, I said, you know, I am so excited that you've got this, not only the, the toe and stow receiver hitch, but based upon the quality that I was exposed to some to some of the other products, for, for bass fishing enthusiasts and for the Bass Edge crew, I mean, it is a, a just a top-of-the-line, top-of-the-line product. Speaking of which, how can individuals um, find out more about the hitch or where to buy that? How do they find out that information? Well, probably the simplest way, uh, Aaron, is just go to our website, which is www.besthitch.com, or they can call us on our toll-free number, which is also 1-866-BEST-HITCH. And that information is also on, on BassEdge.com. Uh, I know you've got uh, just uh, some phenomenal uh, dealers that are out there that just, um, you know, they cannot say enough uh, about about your product. And then there's some new uh, avenues that I think are, are opening up. And so we're exciting to, excited rather to, to hear more about that in the future, and, and that will be unveiled shortly. But um, in the meantime, Scott, I'd love to, uh, to continue uh, talking about this, but we will have you back on uh, at a later date to be able to go into more detail. So, but thanks so much for being part of The Edge. Thanks for, for your partnership, and uh, good luck fishing. Thank you. I need it. I need all the luck I can get. We'll talk to you soon, Scott. Thank you. All right, we have reached that point in our show where we are simply out of time. always hate to do that, but it is always a pleasure to be able to sit and talk uh, not only with our guests, but also with yourself, all the exciting things that's going on uh, within the fishing community. Thanks goes out to James Niggemeyer. Wish him the best of luck in the upcoming uh, tournaments that he has ahead of him and look forward to having him again, not only on the show, but also on the edge. I want to thank Scott Marsh and the B&W Trailer Hitch Company. It is truly amazing the innovation that has went into all of their products, but specifically that tow and stow uh, receiver hitch. Next week, great show lined up. We have just a class guy. I cannot say enough about him. Uh, David Kirkland. David was instrumental uh, when we went down to uh, Lake Seminole and taped down there. So he will be sharing all of his techniques when it comes to Carolina rigging, and he knows how to do this. Also, we will have uh, some more product interviews and uh, some things coming along those lines. But don't forget, make sure that you send that email for next week's entry uh, to podcast at BassEdge.com so that you're included with these great things that we give away every single week right here on The Edge. In addition, if you have not had a chance to visit us on our website at www.BassEdge.com, make sure you go there. A lot of great stuff. It's a great way to stay in touch with everything that's going on within the Bass Edge community. Also, our television show called Bass Edge, it's on the Versus Network every Wednesday morning at 7.30 a.m. Central Standard Time and again on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. So thanks for joining us, and I look forward to talking with you again next week right here on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edge's The Edge has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches. Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Locker Bar Boat Security Systems, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.